You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. On January the 13th, 1982, the Washington National Airport was in the middle of a snowstorm. Air Florida Flight 90 had left Miami earlier that morning with a scheduled layover in D.C. and then scheduled to fly back out that afternoon back to Fort Lauderdale. The plane had undergone chemical de-icing before they pushed back from the gate, but they still had a difficult time pulling away because of the ice. They spent an additional 45 minutes in a delay on the runway, waiting for takeoff clearance. During that time, ice continued to accumulate on the wings. The pilots hesitated to do the de-icing, go back through that process again, because they were afraid they would miss the takeoff window and not be able to get out out of the city. By the time they were cleared for takeoff and reached the end of the runway, they were only able to to achieve a few hundred feet of altitude. 30 seconds later, Air Florida Flight 90 crashed into the 14th Street Bridge over the Potomac River, less than a mile from the end of the runway, and they plunged into the freezing waters of the Potomac. Of the 79 passengers and crew, only six survived the impact. Because of the bad weather, the the traffic, the congestion, emergency crews had a really difficult time responding. They couldn't get there. 20 minutes later, a park helicopter arrived on scene and pulled one of the passengers out of the water. They took him to safety. The helicopter circled back around and threw another rope out of the helicopter. And it was caught by a passenger by the name of Arland Williams. Now, Arland was a 46-year-old bank examiner and a graduate of the Citadel Military College. Arland grabbed a hold of that rope, that life ring, and he made an amazing choice because he decided to pass that life ring to another passenger. They were then lifted out of the water and taken to safety. Arland would make that same decision that day three times. Three times he had his hands on the rope, on the life ring, and he would choose to pass it to another passenger in the water. Well, today we're going to kick off a new series. We're talking about radical generosity for the next four weeks. Today we're tasked with defining this idea of radical generosity. What's it mean? What's it look like in our lives? Next week we're going to talk about becoming radically generous and Following in week three, we'll talk about putting an intentional plan in place to be radically generous. And then in week four, we'll wrap up the series by hearing a story of generosity. But I have a question for you today. A couple, in fact. What do you think of when you hear the word generosity? What comes to mind? How do you describe it? Words like giving probably come to mind. Maybe money comes to mind. It could be that obligation comes to mind. I have to do this. I should do this. But what about radical generosity? What do you think of when you hear radical generosity? 
What does that mean? How do you describe and define that? Likely some of the same terms come to mind. Giving, selfless, unselfish, those kinds of things. Maybe sacrifice comes to mind. For those who have a military background, maybe duty comes to mind. Being radically generous and giving everything. Maybe that comes to mind if you have a military background. But this idea of radical generosity is what we're going to attempt to define today. We're going to attempt to talk about what it means. We're going to use a story today to define it, to look at a model of it. But before we get there, let's find out what happened with Arlen Williams. What was the end of the story for Arlen? Well, when the helicopter circled back around to throw that life ring back in, they realized that it was too late for Arlen, as we suspected. Arlen had succumbed to the freezing water. He had succumbed to the exhaustion that was coming. And Arlen had given his life for those other passengers. He had given everything for the other passengers. He had left nothing on the table. He had drawn no lines, no limits. He said, I will, time and time again, in fact, three times that day, he handed the life ring to another person. And it wasn't just giving a life ring. Arlen Williams gave his life that day for strangers, people he didn't know. And he chose to do it willingly. And he had to have known that his time was short. He had to have known it was running out. Experts tell us that when we enter 32 or 33 degree water, we only have about 15 minutes before we become unconscious. Only about 15 minutes before we we can't move. Through the foggy mind that day, he chose to give that to someone else. Now today... We're going to examine another story of radical generosity. Before we do, let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer and we'll ask the Lord to be present in our services and we'll get into our other story. Father, we thank you so much today for who you are. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Lord, thank you for pursuing us. Thank you for wanting a relationship with us. Thank you for the willingness to speak to us. Lord, we invite you here today. We know you're here. We invite you to speak to us. Lord, would you change us because we come face to face with a living word, with your word that changes us. Lord, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this story that we're going to talk about, the other story of radical generosity, is actually the story of the God of the universe in eternity past making the intentional decision to say, I want mankind to have eternal life on a permanent basis. Because up until till Jesus came, man would year after year offer lambs, goats, bulls, and the blood of those animals would cover sin for the year. But God said, I want to offer a way that mankind could once and for all accept a gift and sin could be paid for. So the plan that he came up with was to radically make a decision to give his son for us, for mankind. It is the most radically generous act in all of, all of history. There is not another act that was, was more radically generous than what God chose to do. 
So the first thing we're going to see today is that point. Radical, God modeled radical generosity by giving us eternal life through Jesus. He modeled it. When he decided to give us Jesus, he modeled radical generosity by giving us eternal life. Look in Romans chapter 6 verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, we deserved death. It was our due. But God said, I want to give eternal life. And in fact, I'll choose to give it. I want to give it so badly, I'll choose to give it through my son. He chose. He gave us the opportunity to live forever. God knew he wanted to provide a permanent solution. But can you imagine God thinking through this option? Now, when God processes something, he does it like this. I mean, we we think through things, we process it. But can you imagine God realizing, making the choice, knowing, thinking, what would it take for me to give my son? What would it take? As I was prepping this and thinking through this story again, I thought, what would it take for me to give one of my kids? What would it take? mean? What would it take if I gave one of my kids? And it, I don't think it should have, but it, it almost makes me sick to my stomach. The reality of what it would mean. And then to, to think about the God of the universe saying, I want to give him. And then thinking about what it would mean. What would it mean that Jesus had to leave? He left all of heaven, the splendors of heaven, the the presence of God in heaven. What would it mean that he would have to suffer? But then I would guess that shortly after that and on the heels of that thought, God said, oh, but think of what it would mean for mankind, though. Think of what it would mean for you. For me, for my kids, for your kids, for our loved ones, for our community, for those around us. What would it mean? And he chose to do it. Now, we've just heard two stories of radical generosity. Two stories of someone who said, I'll give everything. I'll in fact give my life for someone that I don't really even know. Now, God knows us. Unfortunately, I think sometimes when we hear stories about guys like Arlen Williams, sometimes those are more inspiring to us than when we hear about the story of what Jesus did. And we don't articulate it this way, and I don't think we intend it. I think sometimes we've heard the story so much, maybe. Maybe we've not thought about what it really means or what it really meant for Jesus to come. But it's almost as though we hear stories about guys like Arlen Williams and we say, Arlen Williams gave his life for those people. In the freezing water, he again and again and again gave the life ring to someone else. Did you hear that story? He he died for those people. I mean, Jesus died too. But Arlen Williams, did you hear what he did? And we, again, we don't articulate it that way, but sometimes it's so easy for us to hear those stories. And maybe we can relate to them because we can more easily put ourselves in 
that place of what, would I do that? What would it look like if I were in there? Would I make the same choice, the same decision? But sometimes we process it in a different way than we do that story of what Jesus did. The story of God saying, I'm going to give my son. Well, if, if the, the, the story of God giving his son, if we're using that as the model for radical generosity, there might be some things we can learn from it. So let's take a look at that. The first thing we can learn from God's model. Number one, God modeled radical generosity and it starts with sacrificial love. God's model of radical generosity starts with sacrificial love. Look at this verse in Romans chapter six, or, Roman, or John, John three sixteen. For God so loved, he loved, he started with love, the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So here's the reality. It started with love. God loved us so much that he gave. It was interesting as I was thinking about it. I never thought about this before. But if God didn't love us to the degree that he loves us, would he have given Jesus? The indication is he may not have. He so loved you. He so loved me that he gave his only son. You see, God's model of radical generosity starts with sacrificial love. He didn't put any limits on what he would give. He put no limits on it. Just like Arlen Williams didn't put any limits on what he would give. In fact, God's model, what he did, defined love. Look back at 1 John 3.16. By this we know love. We know love. But this word know indicates an intimate understanding of it. A knowledge of it. What's it actually mean? Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Because of Jesus giving his life for us, he defined love for us. He gave us an understanding of what it means. The very act of him laying down his life defined love for us. Now, it's the kind of love that Arlen Williams had in those cold waters back in 1983. And you may say, well, wait a minute. You don't know that Arlen Williams loved those people. Well, according to John 15, 13, his actions showed that he did. Because John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this. Than to lay down one's life for his friends. You see, Arlen Williams laid down his life for people he didn't even know. He may have met them on the plane, but he didn't know them. They were strangers. God gave Jesus for us. He defined it by his act. He defined love by his act. So radical generosity. What about us? Why not us? Are we radically generous? It starts with love. In, if we want to get to this radical generosity, if we want to become radically generous in our lives, we cannot separate it from love. 
And it starts with sacrificial love. Let's look at the second thing that we can learn from God's model of radical generosity. God gave exponentially more than expected. He gave exponentially more than expected. Now, I was talking to my, my boys about this idea ex, expo, exponentially. He said, Dad, have you ever seen an exponential graph? I said, I don't know that I have seen an exponential graph. And so they said, you know what? Look at this. Well, an exponential graph starts here and starts to, 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 to turn up, and then it just kind of shoots up. That word exponential is something that, that grows steady and then at a rapid pace. Exponentially more than expected. That's what God gave. Look at this verse. 2 Corinthians 9.15 Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Indescribable gift. What God gave us cannot be described. We cannot do justice to describe what God chose to do. Another version calls it an unspeakable gift. What God did is unimaginable. It, it, it is unfathomable to think about what he chose to do. He gave exponentially more than was expected. He didn't put any limits on it. He said, I'm going to give exponentially more than anyone would ever expect. He chose to give God. God chose to give Jesus, who I'm certain he delighted in. He gave sacrificially. So as I was thinking through this message, I thought, what are those things that I prize the most? What about you? What are those things? Think about the things you prize the most. Those things that you say, I would never want to give this up. I would never want to lose this. It could be a person. It could be uh, uh, maybe our spouse, our kids. It could be, it could be time. Oh, I, no, I can't get, I don't want to give up any of my time. It could be, it could be money. Those things that we prize the most, it could be a material possession. Oh, I do not want to lose this. My boat, my, my iPhone, I got the new 10. It, I don't want to get rid of this. But those things that we cherish, those things that we want to hold on to, those things that we want to protect. And as I was thinking through this, I thought, okay, what are those things in my life? Kind of thinking through it. I was reminded of a story back when I was... Uh, early teens or maybe just going into my teen years. I was maybe 12 years old, something like that. And I would go through tennis shoes like crazy. My parents would buy me a new pair and in a few weeks it seemed I had another hole in them. And so I would, uh, I, and, I, they, and it was terrible to buy tennis shoes for me. So I, they had to fit just right and it, it was just, it was my poor parents. But I got a new pair of tennis shoes and they looked like this. So I look at them now, I think, I'm... Not sure why I really loved those things, but I loved them. They were black, obviously. They had the white stripes on them. They looked a little bit like track shoes. I liked how the, the toe end, uh, curled up. I loved these things so much. It was raining outside. I'd just gotten them. It was raining. And I had to go someplace, maybe school or something. And I didn't want to get them wet. And I certainly didn't want to get them dirty. So I'm, I'm trying to problem solve. And I had a brilliant idea. So I go into the kitchen and I pick up the plastic wrap. And I said, ah, this will work. Yep, I put my tennis shoes on 
and then promptly wrapped them in plastic wrap. And my parents said, what are you doing? What is going on? And I, yeah, I left the house with them. And in fact, I did it. I did it more than once. I'll have to tell you. My kids had not heard that story. And they said, dad, you probably shouldn't tell anyone that you did that. Here's the thing. That's a funny story that I did as a kid about a pair of tennis shoes that I loved. And again, I look back and I say, how in the world? But I did something pretty crazy to protect a possession that I prized. I did something, I don't don't know if it's radical or not. It was crazy. But think about this. God didn't do that with Jesus. The thing he loved that he delighted in, that he cherished. He didn't protect it. He didn't hold it. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it. He gave exponentially more than was expected. What he did was unimaginable. It is a gift that is indescribable. It's indescribable what he did. Here's the, here's the amazing thing about what God did. Romans 8.32 says that God's giving didn't stop with Jesus. Look what it says in Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You see, God not only gave us his son, not only did he give us eternal life, the option to live forever, but he gives us freely all things. Everything. We look at the things in our lives, whether it's our family or our school or our job or the things that we get, those are gifts from him. He freely gives us joy. He freely gives us peace because he loves us. He gave exponentially more than was expected. God's model for radical generosity not only starts with sacrificial love, but it modeled giving exponentially more then was expected. So what about us today? Radical generosity. Do we give exponentially more than others will expect? Sometimes we put limits on what we'll give. You know, I'll think about, oh, wait, I want to give a gift, a, a Christmas gift or a birthday gift. And, ah, uh, well, I don't really know that person that much. I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend that much on them. I don't, and that's just a financial example. But we draw limits on what we'll give. I won't give that much time. It was a crazy week the past this week and a couple of weeks ago. And I found myself thinking through, Ugh, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to do to give this. But we do it with our time. And we have to be wise, and all of those things are true. But a heart of radical generosity gives exponentially more than is expected. That was God's model. Let's see what else we can learn about. God's model for radical generosity. God's model for radical generosity, he modeled it with no regard for personal return. With no regard for personal return. Think about that for a minute. No regard for personal return. Look at Romans 5 verse 8. Paul says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. He demonstrated it with Jesus. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were still sinners. We have a free will. We can choose to accept his gift or not. 
God gave with no regard for any personal return. We had nothing to offer God. He gave Jesus with no regard with whether you or you or any of us would accept his gift or not. And yet he still gave. No regard for personal return. You know, as I was, again, thinking through this story and talking about what, thinking about what this looks like, I realized that I, I've been blessed in my life. My family, they just have a heritage of, of doing this, of giving generously. And uh, my wife's family has the same. And I was thinking about my wife's grandma on her dad's side. They called her Grandmommy. And uh, Grandmommy, as near as everyone can tell, either late teens or early 20s, she made a decision for whatever the reason to give something away every day of her life moving forward. Every day of her life. Talk about a radical decision. She said, I'm going to give something to someone every day moving forward. And as near as everyone can tell, she stayed true to that commitment. She gave something away every day. She would take her coin purse and she would go out into the streets and she would give coins to others in the streets with no regard for personal return. She wasn't getting anything back. She got married and they weren't wealthy, but they were doing okay. Didn't have tons of money. And one day, one day she gave their car away. Her husband said, well, we needed that. Wait, we don't have another one. Radical generosity with no regard for return. Later in life, she moved in with my in-laws. And so she would get a social security check every month and she would send my mother-in-law to the bank to cash the check and instruct her to come home with a stack of $2 bills. She would put it on her table next to her bed. And as people would come and visit her, she would give $2 bills to them uh, as she would see fit. And every day she would give something to someone. And periodically, she'd get to the end of the day and she would call Martha in and say, I did not get to give anyone something today. So let's write a check. So she would, they would write a check. She would have Martha write a check to someone and they would mail it to them. It's being radically generous with no regard for personal return. That's what God did. Let's, let's recap what we've seen. God's model of radical generosity starts with sacrificial love it gives exponentially more than expected it's what jesus did and it's what arlen williams did back in 1982 gave exponentially more than was expected everything their life and with no regard for personal return nothing to gain there's one more example that i want us to to just hit on before we finish up it's an example of Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. And we see these same three things in this verse. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 15, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. He says, I'll spend and be spent for your souls, for eternity. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. We see these same three principles in this verse. Paul's giving starts with sacrificial love. Look what he says. I will very gladly spend because I love you. Paul loved. So he said, I'll spend. I'll give because I love you. 
Not only did it start with sacrificial love, but it was exponentially more than was expected. Because he said, I'll very gladly spend and be spent. Paul didn't stop. Paul could have said, yeah, I'll give. But he he said, I'll give. Then he said, I'll be spent. I will spend and be spent. He went further than was expected. And it was also without regard for personal return. He says, the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. Paul gave and gave. And he said, the more I love, the less I'm loved. No regard for personal return. He wasn't getting anything back. In fact, Paul was beaten. He was stoned. He was left for dead. He was shipwrecked for the souls of other people. No regard for personal return. So the question is, are we radically generous today? Radical generosity starts with sacrificial love. Do we love those around us with the same love that Jesus loved us with? The same love that it took for God to send his son. Do we give exponentially more than is expected? What is it in our life that we draw the line and say, I won't give that to God. I'm going to hang on to that one. I'm going to protect that one. And do we do it with no regard for personal return? We don't give because of it's a good return on investment. We don't, be, we don't give because we're going to get a benefit from it. We give because we love and we give because we're modeling what God did for us. And it's not just money. It's giving. Radical generosity is giving everything. And it's ultimately giving everything to God and saying, God, I will do what you want me to do. It's yours. You direct me, I'll do what you want. And if you're here today and you say, I have never accepted this gift that Jesus gave me. This gift that God gave of his son, I've never accepted it. I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. If that's you, don't don't let another service go by. Don't let another day go by without asking Jesus Christ to be your savior. Without accepting that gift that he gave us. Let's pray. Father, we praise you today. Lord, to think of the love that it took for you to give your son is absolutely amazing. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your gift. We praise you for your generosity. We praise you for the model that you gave us. And Lord, would you make us people that are radically generous? That we live our lives listening to you and simply obeying. And whatever it looks like and whatever it is. And Lord, would you move today? Lord, if there are those here who need to ask you to be their savior, accept that gift. Lord, would you, would you prompt? Would you move? Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.